Utah's national parks provide some of the last places on Earth where it's still dark enough to see the Milky Way with the naked eye. This week on the Nature Stories podcast, producer Ross Chambliss takes us to Bryce Canyon, where a team has been assembled to address light pollution and to preserve the darkness of the night sky. I'm Samantha Brown with Atlantic Public Media, curating this podcast in collaboration with the Nature Conservancy and the Public Radio Exchange. Each week, we bring you pieces about the intersection of people and place. Here's Utah's Dark Triangle, produced by Ross Chambliss. Entering into Bryce Canyon National Park late at night, you can stand at a precipice, the edge of a cliff near Sunset Point, overlooking the hoodoos, those mysterious red rock formations below. And looking up, you can see a myriad of stars, constellations, and other celestial features in the sky. This is one corner of the dark triangle. So we have Zion on the western boundary. We have Moab and the parks that surround Moab, arches and canyonlands on the eastern boundary. And on the southern boundary, we have um, the Grand Canyon and Flagstaff. This triangle is the dark triangle. This is Chad Moore, who manages a night sky team for the National Park Service. The dark triangle is a portal through which human beings can still see the universe with the naked eye. According to NASA, because of increased nighttime lighting from urban sprawl, roughly two-thirds of people worldwide can no longer see the Milky Way. That is, in case you forgot, the center of the galaxy where we all live in the universe. This is an area that is one of the darkest areas in the country. It is fairly cloud-free, and it has very clear air, very little air pollution. These three factors make it the perfect place to see the stars. Since 1999, Moore and his night sky team have been scientifically measuring the night sky and the growing light pollution encroaching on national parks all over the U.S. using GPS devices and special research cameras. We take these cameras, one or two of us will go out into the field and we'll spend maybe a week at a park waiting for the clear nights and when it's clear we'll hike to the top of a mountaintop and set up the tripod and run it overnight. Um, and then hike down at typically 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. Moore says while his team started off looking for the darkest parks, recently they're studying parks closer to urban areas in the country, like Fire Island near New York City. Not because they have fantastic night skies, but still those are places where people go to see the night sky. For the National Park Service, the idea of preserving darkness is something relatively new. From an ecological standpoint, we, we can say that we've been wrong in, in assessing a, a classic understanding of what a species needs in terms of quality habitat. This is Kevin Poe, one of Bryce Canyon's dark rangers. He says disruption of the circadian rhythm, that is, the cycle of darkness and light that all life evolved with for thousands of years, can be harmful to park ecosystems. Most mammals are actually nocturnal creatures. Yes, you see deer, elk, bear in the daytime, but their highest rate of activity occurs after hours at night. And so the National Park Service is beginning to look at this in terms of everything we've already done as part of our mission, providing protection for key species and, and uh, ecologic integrity and biodiversity and these sort of things in terms of this new consideration that until recently has been sort of overlooked. What's more, a growing number of health studies suggest too much artificial lighting can be harmful for humans as well. 
Numerous studies are linking artificial night lighting to breast cancer and confirming the importance of a dark environment while sleeping so that our bodies can produce melatonin, a natural chemical that works with the body's immune system. For these reasons, Kevin Poe routinely urges park visitors to sleep in a dark room at night and to appreciate darkness. You know, it's, it's not just about Chad and I's nerdy little hobbies, uh, astronomy, our, our scientific research. Um, it's not just about the protection of habitat for all the animals we love. It, it comes right down to us as human beings, the, the quality of our life and, and, and our health. The Park Service has been working with small Utah towns outside parks over the last several years, encouraging them to use their lighting carefully. Towns like Apple Valley, Ruby's Inn, and Springdale, outside of Zion, already maintain lighting ordinances. Here's Chad Moore. And it usually starts with some level of pride about dark skies. That, hey, you know, we can still see the Milky Way in our small town. Why ruin it and become like a city? Let's keep that small town character. Let's be able to keep this aspect of the heritage of the pioneers who came here over 100 years ago. So this is... That's the impetus for the change. While Moore says there's room for improvement in many of the parks themselves, as with lights for campground restrooms and other aging fixtures, he says it's not simply about buffer zones for parks. From Yovimpa Point in Bryce Canyon, on a dark, clear night, you can see Las Vegas. The effect of cities is, is up to 300 miles. Now, it's, not, it's just a tiny blip on the horizon at that point, but it, it just demonstrates how far light pollution can impact a park. That's why Moore, representing the National Park Service, and other night sky advocates gave an informational briefing to staff members of the U.S. House and Senate in July of 2009. What we're looking at is sort of a holistic way of of thinking about lighting throughout the country. With park stargazing programs popular and the State Office of Tourism now boosting Utah as a great place for astro-tourism, these park officials say, with few places remaining on the planet with pristine darkness, Utah's national parks in the Dark Triangle have become a commodity, and darkness, one more natural resource that should be protected. That piece was produced by Ross Chambliss. If you'd like to hear more pieces like this one, be sure to stop by the Public Radio Exchange at prx.org. The Nature Conservancy provides support for this podcast online at nature.org slash stories, committed to protecting nature and preserving life. If you have thoughts or feedback, please write to us at podcast at tnc.org. I'm Samantha Brown with Atlantic Public Media in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Join us next week for a brand new Nature Stories podcast. <laughs>